Hello, I'm Michael Brodeur, and welcome to Leaders Alliance. We are a global community of kingdom-minded leaders who are passionate about helping you become the world-changing leader that God created you to be. Join the conversation. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Leaders Alliance podcast. And I'm so excited to be with you today as we launch into the new year. We're just a few days in so far, but I believe that God has great things in store for us as we move into what he has for us this year. So anyway, we are Leaders Alliance. We are a global community of kingdom-minded leaders that creating a fusion between the local church and the marketplace, bringing about our influence, strengthening our influence within the church, raising up leaders, making disciples, and seeing God's kingdom come in the church and then also extending that outside the church through missions, through outreach, through evangelism, but more importantly, through marketplace ministry, because we believe that every single person is called to ministry. Every single person is a God-appointed leader. And every one of us is called to lead wherever God has put us. In fact, only about 90, uh, only about 2% of all believers will ever actually receive money from a church or a ministry to minister in that way. But every one of us is called to 24-7 devotion to Christ, 24-7 ministry. So the other 98%, gosh, those 98% need to be empowered and equipped to be the world changers that God's called them to be. And so how do we do that? Well, we can't do that apart from the local church. You know, many good, wonderful uh, marketplace ministries actually, you know, step away from the local church to try to equip people on the side. I don't really go for that. I really believe there has to be a union between the local church and the marketplace, bringing the two together because the local church is the incubator for all leadership. Ultimately, everyone who's discipled, everyone who walks in the Lord will find their place of maturity within a local church setting. If you're not part of a local church, I urge you to be in one. I know right now there's a lot of people saying, eh, to church. But the fact is, is that we need to be in the fellowship of the saints. We need to worship Jesus corporately. We need to be under good, godly leadership. And so, but that's where the maturity takes place. But the actual fruit of that maturity is not always born in the church. It's born out there in the business realm and in the Hollywood and in the education realm and in civil service and in the other branches. So this is a combination nation of those things. And that's really what we're playing on. That's what we're, we're uh, moving toward as a movement. And so welcome. We're glad you're here. In today's broadcast, though, I want to talk about this new year, 2023. And I want to talk about it from the perspective of Psalm 23, because I believe that there's some keys in here that will help us to navigate this next year in a powerful and effective way. And in order to do this, I want to bring on our assistant director, uh, Jordan Miller-Pichet. And Jordan, why don't you come on? Uh, Jordan has moved into this position over the last couple of months, um, and he has been helping me tremendously to be able to reach out to all of you, to be able to actually run these podcasts and to run our hub meetings, to be involved in the actual uh you know, delivery of, of content and information. And so why don't we, as we begin, just share uh, two or three minutes about your history and how we met and how God has been guiding you up to this point. Sure. Wow. Um, 
So I'm Jordan Miller Pache, and I'm originally from uh, Michigan, which is uh, you know on the the East Coast, uh, Midwest, sort of the East Coast area. Um, I am originally an hour northwest of Detroit, so I'm used to a lot of diversity, uh, the city life, and um, I moved to California in 2013. I did the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry um, all three years. My third year, uh, I uh, was an intern for Michael Rodor and began working with him at the end of that year. So um, leadership has been a passion since then. Um, when I was younger, I was more into just revival. I want the Holy Spirit. I want the presence of God. But as I sort of grew um, in, in my life with Christ, um, I began to, to see the leadership calling on my own life and realizing that God has a calling for leadership um, on the body of Christ and to influence society, to impact society, not, not only to just experience his presence and and, um, you know, read the Bible and go to church, but actually to make a difference in society. And so um, I have my degree in Christian leadership. And so um, I've been trained in organizational leadership, business and theology. And so um, I'm happy to be here and um, serve you guys. I'm usually behind the scenes. I'm fixing problems, <laughs> but uh, I I'm, I'm super happy to be here with you today. Excellent. We're glad to have you on this uh, podcast today as well. Today, what we're going to be talking about is a leader's look at Psalm 23. And I don't know if it's coincidental, coincidental or prophetic that we happen to be entering the year 2023 and that Psalm 23 has so much to offer us for this year. Uh, but I believe it's really one of the great pastoral manuals for the body of Christ. You know, David is speaking his heart out to the Lord as his shepherd, as the great shepherd. And we see uh, each of the elements that he brings forth through this process is describing how good of a, 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 a caregiver, how good of a lover, how good of a protector, how good of a provider God is for us. And, uh, and I believe that that is obviously about God himself, but to the extent that we're called to represent Jesus in leadership, it really applies to us too. Like Psalm 23 is probably the most complete uh, pastoral manual in the entire Bible. How do you actually do the work of the ministry in a way that produces the outcome in the people you're leading? And how do you help them be, to become the people that are described in this incredible psalm how do you help them to become that? And this applies not just if you're a pastor. Hear me clearly on this. If you're a marketplace leader, you need to understand Psalm 23 because it will give you keys to creating the, the workforce, the culture within your business or within your school or, or within your uh, marketplace ministry that will actually bring forth great, great fruit for everybody. And so, again, we, we're going to be diving into this together. But as we get started, Jordan, any thoughts? <clears throat> yeah. Um, well, I love the Psalm 23 is, you know, it's on earth as it is in heaven, right? And so we're, we're called to emulate our Father yeah. in heaven. And if Jesus is the greatest shepherd, um, then we should be emulating him. And Psalm 23 is that, that blueprint of what does it look like to shepherd or to pastor or to lead, um, whether you're in the marketplace or in the church. And so, and, and I want to, I want to emphasize this. If you are in the micro, the marketplace, you are a leader. <laughs> you need to yeah. believe that you're a leader. Um, 
you know, like Michael said in the introduction, only 2% of Christians will be in the clergy, will be paid staff, church employees. Right. Um, and so, you know, most of the leadership in the church, guess what? <laughs> it's in, it's on your plate. It's, it's in your workplace. So, yeah. um, yeah, so I'm excited to, to dive into this. Excellent. So the first line is so incredibly powerful. The Lord is my shepherd. And if we just take that as an absolute statement, God is the one who is in control. He is the one who's guiding. He is the one who's leading. He is the one who provides for us. He is the one who protects us. That you need to position yourself, if you're called to leadership, which I believe every one of you are, you need to position yourself as the good shepherd. Now, that means that you need to study the heart of God. You need to understand God's shepherd heart. You need to receive his shepherding in your life. You know, it's, it's, it's not enough to say Jesus is my Savior. We need Jesus to become our Lord. We need to actually, if most Christians I know are, are the sun in the center of their solar system, but in order to truly follow Jesus, we need to actually move out of the center. Let, the, let Jesus be the center of our solar system, and we need to become one of the planets. Okay, and so this shift that has to happen is rooted in this first leadership principle we're going to talk about. That leadership is the process of moving people into personally, <clears throat> personal destiny fulfillment for the shepherd's glory. Okay, so as a leader embracing this particular principle, we're called to develop people. We're called to lead people and guide them. We're not the shepherd. We're the under shepherd. We are not the primary one dictating policy for people, but we're helping them to connect with Jesus in the framework of good guidance and good biblical principles, we're helping them to connect with Jesus in a way that allows them to discover their God-given design and destiny and become everything that God created them to be. The Lord is my shepherd. Yeah, that's so good. Principle number two, I shall not want. The second principle is because of God's faithfulness and the fruitfulness of the sheep, it's in the best interest of the shepherd to provide for us in every way. Now, he doesn't just do that as, as, a, as a means to an end. He does that because he loves us. You know, I just listened to the uh, second, uh, second episode of The Chosen or maybe it was the first episode, but it starts with the Sermon on the Mount. And it's just so amazing to see the depiction of Jesus sharing about the Father's love. And you can't add one, by stressing out, you can't add one hair to your head. You can't add one inch to your height. You cannot, look at, look at the lilies of the field. They, they don't toil and they don't spin, but their the Heavenly Father clothes them. Or the, the, the birds of the air, how they're fed by the Heavenly Father. It's like if, he, if, you're, if they're valuable, how much more valuable are you? See, this, the second thing, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. See, I believe that God is our great provider, that he will come and guide us into abundance and into blessing and into fulfillment and fruitfulness. I shall not want that God is with me. Any thoughts about that, Jordan? Yeah, so, you know, I shall not want. When you put this in a leadership context, um, we see that it's so important for leaders to know the needs of their people. 
Yes. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So if you're an under-shepherd of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Shepherd of Shepherds, if you're an under-shepherd, um, then you should see the needs of the people that you're leading um, and try to uh, fulfill those needs the best that you can. I mean, that might mean <laughs> that they have to do the work right, <laughs> to, to get those needs met. But you are called to be a uh, identifier of what's going on in the people that you're leading and help them uh, to find the paths to fulfill the things in their lives that they need solutions for which I guarantee is everybody that you're leading. <laughs> and there is, you know, the, the pyramid Maslow's period uh, pyramid that shows kind of the basic needs. There's the, the need for food and clothing and air and so forth. And there's the mood need for connection and fellowship. There's the need for, for uh, the issue of, of uh, you know, just the emotional care that I need. And then, but then you get into significance and life destiny needs. And all these needs are important. And obviously you can't minister to the higher needs if the lower needs are not being met. And so you need to work on that and understand the needs of your people. But also here's something very important. You need to also make sure that you're managing expectations. See, one of the biggest problems in leadership is that we overpromise and underdeliver. And so, again, we have to make sure that we're careful when we're saying, hey, I'm here to help provide for you. But notice the word help. I'm not your provision. You need to connect with Jesus. You need to connect with uh, your destiny. You need to connect with the, the areas of, of faithfulness and, and servanthood and so forth that will help you to prosper. So what I want to do is I want to train up people in the same way I would train my children. You know, I provide for them, but I also want them to take increasing levels of responsibility to find the resources that they need to be fulfilled in life. So managing that expectation, because a lot of disappointment comes from inflated uh, expectation. Leaders, because we're visionaries, we tend to always <laughs> promote things. We tend to kind of paint big, beautiful pictures of reality. Um, we have to be careful when we do that, that we're not baiting and switching, that we're not calling people into an expectation that will not be fulfilled because that's what exaggerates disappointment. Okay. The next, the next point though here, he makes me to lie down in the green pastures. I believe that this is really about provision, but it's also about abundance. Like a green pasture, like right now we're just in the rainy season in California and we're thankful because we're finally coming out of a drought. I mean, I think it takes a couple of years to officially be out of the drought, but we just had uh, two days ago, four and a half inches of rain here. And there was flooding, of course, and some people were injured in the flooding. We're sad about that, but we're thankful that the, that the green grasses are starting to grow up again. There's this feeling of nurture and, and abundance. And so God, God guides us. If we're following him, he guides us to the green pastures. But as a leader, you are called. Leadership is the process of leading people into the pastures of equipping, but make sure they don't overgraze or they'll become fat and sassy and they won't be able to, uh, you know, fulfill, to mobilize themselves for the purpose that God has ordained for them. Anyway, I don't know if you have any thoughts about this. Okay. Fat and sassy. I love that. <laughs> Um, it, it just reminds me, I get a picture of like a dog who fell asleep with his mouth, his tongue lying out over the dog bowl. Right. Yes. And, 
but as as leaders, um, we are supposed to provide places for people to rest, to lie down in places of abundance. Um, and so, you know, obviously that that doesn't mean that they just get to, uh, you know, soak in the prayer room 24 seven and, and, you know, 365 and never pay their bills. Right. <laughs> but it does mean that um, we are to provide people places of peace, um, places of abundance. And so, yeah. Well, it's kind of like what uh, what Glenn says about pastoring is this, uh, it's like football where you have, you know, 11 people on the, 12 people on the field that desperately need to rest. And you have a bunch of people in the stands who desperately need to re- exercise. <laughs> and that the church often is like that. A few people are doing all the work. And uh, so when we talk about green pastures, we're talking about a relationship with God that is feeding you but it's feeding you unto your fruitfulness in Christ. So there's this interesting play because, you know, a shepherd has sheep for three purposes, you know, to fleece them and make wool, uh, to feed them their families, and ultimately to, um, to sacrifice unto the Lord. And so in ancient Hebrew thought, there was three things. Now, it doesn't mean you don't love your sheep, but it means that your sheep are for a purpose. And so when you, when you deal with the issue of purpose and presence, you end up having a bit of a tension. We want our people to be filled with the presence and power of God, to be provided for by God in a way that brings them rest. But we also want out of that rest a fruitfulness like Jesus described in John 15. That, you know, it's my father's will that you bear good fruit. If you don't bear good fruit, he cuts you away. But, you know, by this is my father glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. So as leaders, we're called to help people understand how to serve, but to do so not for love, but from love. You've probably heard that statement. I think it's a very powerful statement. In other words, I've, I love Jesus so much, and I'm so enamored with his love for me that every day is green pastures for me. But out of those green pastures, I serve others and produce outcomes. And so and that, that's kind of similar to the next uh, phrase, which is, he leads me beside still waters. You know, still waters are a place where, you know, obviously they say that you can live, you know, three minutes without air, three days without water, you can live 30 days without food. But the fact is, is that those points of deprivation are not what we're intended to live with. I believe that the waters of life are are given for us to be able to under to 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 be nourished and to be resourced by God. So laying beside still waters and green pastures is the sort of positional relationship. You might have heard that before, that we have a a positional place, that we're seated with Jesus in the heavenly realms. That's a picture here, that, you know, we're, we're, we're bilocational. We're seated with him in heavenly places, but we're also on this earth to glorify God and to bring forth his kingdom. How do we reconcile those two realities? And sometimes when people are insecure, when they're driven by the orphan spirit, they're so busy on the earth and they're so uh, controlled by the need to produce because they want to be recognized and they want to be loved and they want to be approved of. But the fact is, is you're already loved. You're already approved of. You're already his son or daughter if you if you belong to Christ today. And if you are, then then you can rest and all your fruitfulness will come out of rest and not out of striving. 
Any any yeah. in, input on that? So the <laughs> the Hebrew for beside still waters literally means beside waters of rest. Yes. And so the, you know that's what we're providing for people is is the blood of Jesus. Yes, the rest of God from your works. Yes. Yeah. But, but it's unto something. It's unto do unto what God has called you to do. And and so um, he loves us too much to to keep us where we're at. Right. That's the, the phrase. Yeah. And that's the leadership principle four is we help people access the water of life to be empowered. Like Jesus said, those who believe in me out of their innermost being would flow rivers of living water. And he says, it says in that passage that he, he actually was speaking of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that this is a key issue to the last two points. Uh, that we he leads us but green pastures and still waters. Those two dimensions are we have to calm our hearts often to be able to receive the word of the Lord. It's like a lake. When the lake is smooth, you throw in a pebble and the ripples are very visible. But if the lake is stirred up by by the wind and the waves, you know, you can't hardly see what you're doing. You can't skip a stone. And I believe that this this idea of being beside still waters is really crucial because the Holy Spirit image, one of the images is waters, living waters. And I, I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit and help your people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, again, there's a tension here. We don't want to have them sort of rest forever and just get fat and sassy. On the other hand, we don't want them to strive and serve out of a, out of a deprivation. And this brings us to our next point, which is he restores my soul. <laughs> leadership principle number five is that leadership is the process of restoring an individual through the healing ministry of Christ so that they can minister and, and uh, serve on his behalf. And restoring the soul is an interesting thing because, you know, there's a tension here that the scripture says that, that when Jesus died on the cross, that, that he said, it is finished. And many people have taken that statement and said, well, if it's finished, then all you have to do is just believe in Christ and everything else will be taken care of. And I believe there's one, one sense in which that's absolutely true. I believe in the finished work of Jesus. But I believe that that finished work needs to be applied incrementally in the human heart. So when I'm saved, the moment I accept Jesus, I'm born again. I am a son of God. I am forgiven of all my sins. I will never be uh, better in the eyes of God than I am at that moment. I'm clothed in his righteousness. But that doesn't mean that my soul is fully conformed to Christ. And that's why the scripture says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the mind being one aspect of the soul, that we actually need to go through a restoration process. So there is a positional reality we have in Christ. We're seated with him in heavenly places the moment we believe. But then beyond that, there's a restoration process which requires understanding, first of all, how much you're loved, that you are truly a son or daughter, that you can have a revelation of the father heart of God, and that that revelation will uh, probably in phases evict what we'd call the orphan mindset or the orphan attitude. 
that that orphanness, that sense of being alienated, that sense of striving that many of us are born with, that sense of having to prove ourselves or having to earn love from others. Those things are contrary to the heart of God. And often much of the sin and brokenness in church and ministry is rooted in that orphan spirit. So we need to have a, a revelation of God's love that actually touches the pain and the brokenness and the issues of our heart so that we can serve. And part of your role as a leadership is to lead your people into that revelation. The revelation that they cannot add to what the Lord's done, but out of God's blessing, they can, they can partner with God to see his kingdom come and his will be done. Mm -hmm. So again, this he restores my soul. Well, what does it mean to restore? Well, you know, we had an earthquake recently on the coast up here, and uh, some of the some of the uh, grocery stores lost all of their all, all of their uh, bottles and cans ended up on the floor. Okay, well, to restore is you you put things back to where they were supposed to be. You, you know, we're talking about a store actually. You restore the store, right? Restore the store, but but it's literally that's what it, that's what the root word comes from, to restore. Because you are a storehouse. You have the potential to be giving out tremendous things, but you have to restore before you can be a store for others. Okay? And so it's really important to remember that, that, that you are a resource, but God wants to make you a source, not just a resource. Anyway, any thoughts? No, that's so good. Um, you know, I love it what... Um, the transformation of the inner man by the, the Sanfords. Yeah. Remember that book yes. where they, they talk about actually bringing your righteousness, <laughs> everything you've ever done right in your own eyes and also your sin to the cross. The cross yes. is not a place for your sin, but the word says that even your righteousness is as filthy rags. So your, your right. righteousness apart from Christ. Uh, and right. so it's so important for us to bring everything that we are, even the places we think we're fine in to the cross, because it's, if we think we're okay in an area, then it's in that place that Jesus didn't have to die, right. <laughs> but he had to die for, for the whole person. And so, um, you know, it's really bringing all we are to him. And let me just say this, there's something going around in the church um, that's, that says that we're perfect already. Um, and at, like we talked about, there's the, the, positional um, in Christ. I'm holy in Christ right now. Um, but this idea that I don't need to work on myself is actually kind of destructive. Yes. So as a leader, <laughs> uh, you know, you, there's a, there's a book called the dark side of leadership, which I don't, didn't always love that title, but um, you know, it reminded me of star Wars or something. And you know, I'm not Darth Vader, get out of here, you know? <laughs> um, but but there is something about the idea that we have to we have to be honest. Leaders have to be honest with themselves that there are parts of my heart. There's parts of my life that aren't right, fully in line with God. And I'm growing and I will be growing until I get my resurrected body, basically. That's right. And so um, the same goes with your with the people that are following you, the, with the people right. that you're developing is is. And, and you can have compassion on the people that are following you and the people that you're leading because you know, you're not there yet. Right. And you may have had a victory in some area of your life that someone you're leading needs victory in. Right. And lead them through that. So, yeah. And vice yeah. versa. <laughs> and That's vice true. versa. 
No, so true. And that's where even, you know, going back to uh, John and Paula Sanford's book, The Transformation of the Inner Man, they try to reconcile theologically um, the issue of the finished work of Christ and the process of sanctification. The way that they put it, which is really interesting, using a biblical sort of illustration, is that when Jesus went to raise Lazarus from the dead, you know, he prayed and then he commanded Lazarus to come forth. And when Lazarus came forth, he was resurrected. He walked out of the tomb and he was fully resurrected. But then he told his disciples to go loose him from his grave clothes. And that's an amazing picture that reconciles the finished work and the sanctification process. Is that, yes, we are fully perfected in Christ the moment we accept Jesus. We've been born again. We are now heirs of his salvation in a phenomenal way. But we still have some grave clothes on. And as uh, I think it was Keith Green might have popularized, it's easier to get us out of Egypt than it is to get Egypt out of us. And that's really where this restoring the soul dynamic has so much value. Let's look at the next one, though. It says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And the leadership principle we want to focus on here is that leaders, leaders help people discover the path of discipline and preparation for their God-given destiny. <clears throat> in other words, none of us are born mature. If you look at it in the natural, you're born a baby. I mean, God could have done it different. He could have put a big zipper on the woman and had the baby gestate to full growth inside and come forth as a full human being. No, he didn't do that. He had us. And in fact, Jesus himself endured being an infant, being powerless, being having no, just needing love, just needing to be fed, needing to have his diapers changed. I mean, that was Jesus for a season. And all of us are born immature. And that's the case when we're born again. We're born again immature. And there's a maturation process that must take place over many years through many challenges, through trials and difficulties. But ultimately, it's unto your destiny that God has ordained, according to Ephesians 2.10, he's ordained certain things for you to do that no one else is able to do in the, quite the same way, that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained. We're not saved by works, but we're saved unto works or for works. And so in this dynamic, <clears throat> there's a path that God has ordained. We call it life mapping. And that's what we uh, promote in our Destiny Finder uh, website, destinyfinder.org. Or dot com, is it? Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. Destinyfinder.com is this, this idea of moving forward according to a life map. I have a destination in mind that God has imprinted on my heart, and I'm going to challenge all of the issues that would hinder me whether they be uh, ministerial skill development issues, whether they be relational problems, emotional issues, uh, past hurts in my life. I'm going to challenge all those things. I'm going to remove all those things so that I can fulfill everything that God has called me to become and to accomplish. And this is really what we're, what we're after. And this is the path of righteousness. It's the path of being right with God. Not right in the overall sense only. Obviously, when we accept Jesus, we become right with him. But also there's a, there's a specific righteousness that every one of us is accountable to. There's a specific path that God has for each one of us. And the Lord's promised that he would just guide our steps if we delight ourselves in him.
And so this is the process of leading us in that path of righteousness. And it's really not just for our sake, but it's for his namesake. In other words, his glory depends on his people stepping into the fullness of who he's called us to be. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. I I was actually just, I've never seen this before. And I'm, uh, for you guys listening on the podcast, I'm reading along in Psalm 23 on my phone here as we're talking about it. But um, it says that he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. But I, I took those terms, he leads me for his namesake. The fact that God is leading me is for his reputation. Yes. And that is, that removes so much burden from me. He's not, he's not even doing it for, for, my own anything really. I mean, I, he loves me. He cares about me, but this verse says that he's doing it for his own reputation. That's right. What, who do you think that I am, Jordan? Who do you think that I am? So if you feel like God's not leading you in your life right now, you feel like, Oh, I don't know. I can't really hear his voice. Just hear God's voice right now saying, who do you, who do you think that I am? Who do you say that I am? Right. right. What is my reputation? Right. And you know, God is 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 passionate about his own reputation right yeah and it's yeah. so important that we keep as we're leading people in righteousness we want to lead them back to jesus always see we can sometimes position ourselves as a mediator and and it kind of is okay i pastor a church i need you to do these things for the glory of our church no way or for the glory of our business or for the glory of our family Oh, you're, you're my son. You have my name on you. You need to act in such and such a way. No, we need to keep the why in front of people. The why is more important than the what. What is the why? It's the glory of God. It's the beauty of his name. It's the, it's the, the, the radiance of his goodness. We want to keep reinforcing that. And, and so in leadership, you always want to say, yes, you have a destiny. Yes, I can help you on the path of righteousness to fulfill your destiny. But it's not for my sake. It's not for the sake of our church. It's not for the sake of, of your own glory. It's for his sake. So we want to make sure that we're constantly bringing people back to the why. It's for the glory of Jesus. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his sufferings. And that's what brings us to the next point, which is, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. <clears throat> See, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And then we have in, in Romans 8, 37, where it says, and knowing this, we're more than overcomers through him who loves us. In other words, we are destined to overcome. And the basis of our overcoming victory is his victory. In other words, he achieved something that literally reset the whole universe for all time. If we can step into his victory, we don't have to fear challenges and difficulties. We still live in a broken world. There's still problems here. There's still issues. There's going to, you know, I think, you know, even as I've been thinking about the last few years of COVID and political polarization and the war in Ukraine and all the challenges, the climate issues, all those things that have been troubling people and producing such a, a, a cloud of depression upon especially the younger generation generation. And I think about that, the valley of the shadow of death. And then I'm sitting here at the new year, 2023, and I'm looking forward. And I'm just, I'm just not feeling like everything's going to be rosy and, and perfect for the next year. I think we're going to still have challenges. But the question is, who's with us in the challenge? 
though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Because even that, even the difficulties, even the trials, even the, the tribulations actually are used by God to make me more like Jesus and to help me fulfill his purpose. So even the worst things that can be thrown at me by this world are still not, so what if recession comes? Or so what if there's more political garbage? Or so what if there's more riots in the street like we had a couple of years ago? All of that, I can process that either in a broken way that makes me more fearful or in a faith-filled way that allows me to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. Mm. Yeah, so good. And it says that he leads me in the verse prior. Yes. And even though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death. So there's times when God will lead you into the valley yeah. of the shadow of death. And why does he do that? Well, it's because you have the light of the world within you. <laughs> That's right. You, you have the glory of God within you. And there's no better place for you to be as, as God's son or daughter than be in the shadow of death, bringing yeah. life. And you don't have to be afraid in that place. And sometimes a leader, uh, if you're a leader or if you're an aspiring leader on this, uh, on this call, you know, sometimes the Lord will, will lead you into the shadow of death and there's people following you into the shadow of death. Yeah. Let's say that, you know, going to the, the red light district in some country and doing ministry or whatever it is into a, a hard situation where, the light of God is needed. Um, yeah. There's going to be people that are going to follow you there, but you can, as a leader, you can depend on God and people can depend on you and trust that you're hearing from God as they are hearing from God as well. That's and so, so you know, the, the shadow of death isn't always something you want to avoid. Sometimes it's something that you, you are the solution to. Amen. No, it's so true. And you are carrying the presence of God into those places. So there's two things that happen. One is tra trials can actually cause your goal to be purified. I felt like the Lord spoke that to me two days ago. Uh, think it not strange when you go through diverse trials. And that's in James and also in Peter that, that you know, don't think it's strange. Like uh, this is how God perfects us. But on the other hand, this is how God also changes the world by leading us into challenging situations where we can be the solution and not add to the problem. So the leadership principle here, number seven, is that leadership is being present with someone during inevitable times of trial and tribulation. See, as a leader, you're going to be leading people who are going to be going through difficult seasons from time to time. And your, and your goal is to lead them through this not to just commiserate with them, although that's part of the process. The Bible says, you know, blessed be the God who, who comforts us in our tribulation so we can comfort others. Comfort is always the first step in every kind of difficulty situation. But then you move people out of comfort into a place of what is God's heart in the midst of this situation? And that starts to produce personal growth. See, when people start to see their trials and their tribulations through the eyes of Jesus, they start to see the redemptive aspects. That's when people actually grow in Christ. And so I want to encourage you to lead people well. Don't just throw a pity party when somebody goes through a tri trial. Comfort them in the tribulation, but also guide them through the tribulation into a place of freedom. And that's the next point, which is, I will fear no evil. Leadership principle number eight, leadership is helping people love the rod of God which provides discipline, and the staff of God, which provides uh, protection. See, we are in a world where we have an enemy. 
There are forces of evil, demonic forces at work in the earth that are against us. But God left those things here. This is something we have to remember is that Jesus, after he was baptized, after he saw the Holy Spirit descend as a dove, after he heard his father speak, this is my beloved son, listen to him. He was, it says he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, that's weird because, you know, the scripture says, lead us not into temptation. That in another place it says God doesn't tempt anyone with evil, but God does allow testing in our life. But we don't need to fear the evil because fear will always knock us off our horse. Fear will always put us back into a place of reactionary involvement rather than being able to draw on the faith of the Lord in the face of evil. And so we need to train people that sometimes the things that are happening in your life are not the devil. Sometimes they're God disciplining you. And, and we need to respond differently when it's God using his rod. You know, your rod and your staff will comfort me. When God's using his rod, I don't have to fear evil because God is my protector, but he's also my corrector. And so I don't need to blame everything on the devil if I'm misbehaving and God's, God's uh, correcting me a bit because the scripture says, whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son who comes to him. So this is something very important. But at the same time, we need to be equipped for war. The scripture talks about the armor of God. It talks about the, the sword of the spirit. It talks about taking a stand and standing therefore with our loins girt about with truth, that we are warriors on behalf of the Lord. And that warrior is, is thankfully, we're not fighting a battle by ourselves. We're fighting a battle under the protection of God himself and his, and his warring angels. He's called the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies. And those angels are also protecting us. The angel of the Lord encamps around those that fear him and delivers them. So I will fear no evil because I know that he who is with me is greater than those that are with my enemy. Yeah. I get this funny picture of a, <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever played bumper bowling <laughs> where, you know, and in a bowling lane, they have the two gutters on either side of the bowling lane and what they do is they fill those gutters with like some sort of rubber. And when you bowl, if you're, if your ball is about to go in the gutter, it just bounces off and bounces off the other side. And then, you know, no matter what you do, you're going to hit, going to hit the pins. <laughs> and um, that, that reminds me of on the left side is the rod. And then on the right side is the staff that in, in the situation that you're in, in the shadow of death or whatever it is, the trial that if you're submitted to the bumper bowling of heaven, <laughs> since the, the rod and the staff that you're going to make it through, you're going to make it all the way through to the end. Um, and so that, that should excite you. Right. I mean, um, and let me just say about the, the discipline of God, I know that can be a scary word, but most of the time when God has disciplined me, it, I mean, there have been, it has hurt sometimes, but it's, it, it, it always felt just it always felt loving it always felt good it was never um you know like a like a bad father who abused his child so you can always uh you can always depend on the fact that god is going to do what is loving and kind and just in your life that's so good
And that's really what brings us to the you know, second part of this, which is your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I don't need to fear evil because I have those bumper lanes covered, as, as Jordan was talking about. I don't need to fear evil because I know that my God is sovereign over my life, over my purposes, over my, you know, that he knows everything about me and he loves me anyway, <laughs> which is phenomenal. And so he will correct me, but he will also empower me for warfare. And uh, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this point because we already talked about the rod and staff a bit. But leadership principle number nine is that leadership is the process of leading individuals into spiritual victories over the works of the enemy that have been unleashed to bind them from their fruitfulness and their fulfillment. In other words, God's greatest goal is that you would be fruitful that you would actually be like your father in heaven and that you'd bear the fruit on this earth that would glorify him and his name. And so he provides the rod and the staff as a good shepherd to keep us on the path of righteousness so that we can actually fulfill everything he's called us to do and be. So it's, it's pretty amazing. But then it goes on to say that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So we're still talking about that principle of difficulty and challenge and trials and spiritual warfare, that those things are real. But you as a good shepherd need to guide your people into a place of rest, even in the warfare situations. This is so important that you teach them how to lay hold of the peace of God when all hell is breaking loose around them. And that's what he's describing here. You prepare a table before me. We're talking about abundance. We're talking about many, many wonderful uh, fruit foods to eat and, and uh, you know, nourishment to drink and so forth. The leadership principle number 10 is that leadership is a process of leading others into the anointing that God has prepared for them. And that anointing is a place of grace. It's a place of peace. It's a place where you're not striving. It's a place where you can see your enemy, but he's a far off. He can't get to you. There's a force field around you and you're enjoying. You're just, you know, in a sense, uh, wolfing down some sweet stuff and looking up at him from time to time saying kind of like the example of what was it? Uh, um, oh, gosh, who am I thinking of? Who's, who was laying in bed and the devil appeared in his room? And, uh, oh, right. Um, yeah, <laughs> I know, I know the story. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's the plumber, I think that, uh, whose name just Smith, escaped Smith Wigglesworth. Wigglesworth, you know, and he, and the enemy was kind of rocking his bed and he looked up out of his sleep and, and said, Oh, it's only you. And he turned over and went to sleep. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil. And we're going to get to that in just a moment, but any thoughts about this table? You know, I, I, I do the same when, when I, um, discern a, a, a demonic presence or whatever in my younger Christian years, I used to be afraid of it. Now I just ignore it. I usually, I usually say, thank you, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. And so there is a table that he prepares before us. And, um, I think you could get a, to a place in maturity in the Lord. And some people might have it right away when they get saved, mm -hmm. but there's a, there, there becomes a place of maturity in the Lord and in leadership where you, you aren't influenced by the enemy and the level yeah. that you may have been. Yes. Um, it's just a distraction. You know, I had a, a, a counselor I knew years ago who said, you know, um, what, how does the enemy get a place in your life? Well, it's the environment that you create for him. 
Yes. So it's like having garbage in your house. If you have garbage in your house, there's going to be flies. That's right. So, um, you know, what we have to do is make sure that the environment of our lives is uh, the environment of a table of the Lord. Yes. <laughs> uh, and that any enemy that comes around isn't because we have rotten food in the table. <laughs> so, That's right. Well, you know, rats love garbage. Get rid of the garbage, you get rid of the rats. And I think that's the that's the key to, I believe, spiritual victory in our time. But there may be also, I just want to just say this as we close, you do need to train your people for war. Because there may be times that God is going to ask them to be his mouthpiece against the enemy. To come against either, you know, in casting out demons, which is real. I've cast out many, many demons in the name of Jesus uh, by his anointing. That's real. And there's yeah. times where you have to address spiritual darkness specifically and say, be gone in Jesus name. And so I just, you know, we need to, we need to have that, but we do it from that place, that same place of peace. We're still eating a meal and we can see the enemy afar off. We're not, we're not, we don't have to strive and we don't have to muster up some kind of human energy to do it. It's just understanding the victory of Christ and the power that he does. And that's where it says, you know, he, he anoints my head with oil and my cup runs over. You know, I feel like we're in this place where God is anointing his people in fresh ways right now, right this minute, right as we go into the new year, there's an anointing that God wants to increase that will cause our cups. Can you imagine like somebody pouring uh, some precious juice into a cup and just not stopping? but they just keep pouring and it just keeps spilling over and getting all over the table and all over the, oh. <laughs> like, it's like the Lord wants to actually have us be overflowers. Principle number 11 is leadership is helping people be so full of God that all ministry is an overflow. They're not scraping the bottom of the barrel. They're not coming up with, you know, I just had a fight with my wife, but now I got to go and, and, uh, be this holy man, you know, that there's a, that, that we're living in a place of ascendant victory on a regular basis. And that, that occupies every part of our hearts. Now, again, I know that reality is sometimes you may go to church and have a fight with your wife or, you know, or you might have your teenage kid, you know, yell you down, or, I mean, there's, there's real trials. You might have your boss be rude to you. There's real trials in life. So I'm not trying to minimize those. I'm just saying that if we, if we can keep that place, before the Lord, where our heads are anointed and our cup is continuously running over, that's the place of overflowing victory in Christ. And so you as a leader need to understand how to lead your people into a place of overflow. And that means that you're not draining them dry. You're not, you're not milking them dry, but you're keeping them in a place of abundant restoration so that they can continue to overflow. So... Anyway, it's just uh, we need to wrap up in just a moment here, but let's let's just touch this final point. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This leadership principle number 12 is that leadership is a process of moving somebody at a pace in which goodness and mercy are never far behind. I need... I mean, sometimes we can run so fast and so strong that we burn people out. Sometimes we can go so slow that we frustrate people and create a lethargic uh, a culture. We need to find the right pace. 
And I believe as leaders, there is a, in balancing those, all the aspects we've been talking about, the issue of, of uh, rest and, and fruitfulness, the issue of, of uh, warfare and, and peace, the issues, all these tension points that we have in scripture require us to move at a certain speed. One of my friends said it like this, he said, we, we, we always need to meet, move at the speed of family. And family is something that we've taught a lot on here. It's something we we cherish. Uh, family, I believe, is the model of heaven. It's the model for the workplace. It's the model for the home. It's the model for the church. And, and it requires that we understand that we're leading young people, immature people, a whole spectrum of people. How do we lead them at a pace that doesn't allow us to lag, but also doesn't allow us to burn out? And that's part of the leadership process. And that might apply differently to different people in your world at different times. But you need to be the source of goodness, which goodness is everything that's in the heart of God. And mercy, which is everything that, that God is making up for in our failure or our limitations. Okay? Goodness and mercy. Goodness is the fulfillment of everything that God has ordained. Mercy is the, the making up of the things that have lacked. And that those two things would come and just follow us, that they would never be far behind. There would always be an, a reward of goodness and a, a caring of mercy that God would bring into our lives. Because you probably will have people in your midst that are falling short from time to time. And so how do we reconcile all of that? So these are 12 principles. We're going to be enlarging on those in the weeks and months to come. But these are things from Psalm 23 that we believe are relevant to the year 2023. So, uh, Jordan, why don't you just summarize your thoughts as we wrap up? And then I'm going to I'll take it from there and pray for people. Yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, <laughs> when you look at Psalm 23, it's really about overflowing in life, having victory in life. And in the final verse, um, David says, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now we know in his time when he wrote that, he was probably talking about encountering the presence of the Lord, um, the Shekinah, <laughs> Shekinah yeah. glory uh, over the altar. But in the context of the New Testament, the house of the Lord is much broader than that. It's the, the body of Christ. It's the church. Yeah. So you know, at the end of the day, our goal should be to encounter God through each other. Amen. To have such a close relationship, um, whether you're a leader um, of an organization or um, you're just an aspiring leader or you're just, you know, sort of serving someone right now and you're, you're not really even thinking about leadership. We need to have the kind of friendship and relationship with each other where we can we can trust one another. We can go into this new year as a community of caring community um, and, and encounter the presence of the Lord through one another, through prophecy yeah, yeah. and prayer and helping one another. And, and so um, let's really try to do that this year and, and, and learn from Psalm 23 in a fresh way. This, this chapter has probably been preached on a million times throughout yeah. history. But it doesn't mean that we have exhausted in any measure the anointing or the instruction that God gives us through this through this chapter. So bless you guys this year. Excellent. 
That is so good. So good. I, I, I didn't really think about that in the final phrase, dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But we see, you know, Moses's tabernacle. We see David's tabernacle. Then we see the house that Solomon built and the house that was rebuilt by, uh, by Zerubbabel after the captivity. You know, we see all these examples of the house of the Lord, but then the scripture tells us that we are living stones being built up into a dwelling place of God in the spirit, that actually the house of God now is the family of God, and it is the local church. And this needs to be said strongly and loudly in the year 2023 to all who have abandoned the church. Oh, the church is filled with hypocrites. The church is only into money. The church has uh, got their priorities wrong. Well, guess what? The church is the bride of Christ. The church of Jesus Christ is the pillar and ground of the truth. The church is the very dwelling place of God on earth. It is the, it is the embassy of heaven on the earth. And if you're neglecting the church, you're only doing so to your own pain and to your own eventual uh, deprivation and, and lack of nourishment and your own eventual failure in Christ. I want to urge every one of us in Jesus' name, I want to say that it is time for us to just put aside the deconstructionism, to put aside the dunism, to put aside all these uh, petty little things and return to the scripture which commands us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. That we actually see that, that that in these in these times that we live in, and I believe we are approaching the end times, that there will be a growing cold in the in the body of Christ. And that we need one another more than ever now. And in, in spite of all the weaknesses, in spite of all the pimples and the, the problems of the church, guess what? It is our life source. There is a place in the church where God wants to meet us through the gifts that he has placed in one another. And he also wants to add to the church the things that you have not been giving. And so I want to speak a word of, of prophetic encouragement to everyone listening. Don't neglect the fellowship of, of, of the saints, but rather reinvest your heart, your gifting. The stone that you are is missing in the body of Christ if you're not going on a consistent basis. I encourage you to place your stone in the dwelling place of God. Well, that brings us to the end of our time. Psalm 23 in 2023, I believe, will help to guide us through this year. And I just want to speak blessing over all of you. Father, in the name of Jesus, lay your hands on every person who's listening now and listening in the future. I pray, Father, that you would grant them clarity about their own personal leadership, their own personal pastoral leadership as it relates to you, the Good Shepherd, that we could learn from your shepherding how to shepherd effectively and how to care for people powerfully and how to love people purely and how to guide people with confidence and strength. We ask for that blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.